Well, good evening. It is about 7 o'clock. That means it is time for our midweek Bible study here at Santee Circle Church of God. Uh, we are located at 1211 North Highway 52 in Monks Corner, South Carolina. And we are so honored and privileged to have you join us today for our midweek Bible study time. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go with me to the book of James, James chapter number 1. While you're turning there, I'd like to make mention uh, to you of a couple things. Uh, First, I want to let you know that you can give online, as you can see on my screens to my right and to my left. You can give online. You can go simply to tithe.ly, and you can search for the Santee Circle Church of God there. You also can download our church app. Simply go to your Google Store or App Store and download the app called Our Church. The app is actually called Our Church. Once you download that, simply just in the search box, search Santee Circle COG, and it will save that as your favorites and will automatically send you there. Also, uh, let me tell you about our church website. Uh, As you can see, SanteeCircleCOG.org. You can join us uh, for that as well. So we are so excited uh, to have that launch. Don't forget, we have our church work day uh, coming up on Saturday, uh, which will be uh, June the 5th from 9 to 12. Uh, got some things we need to finish up around the property uh, before some other events. Also, don't forget, our men's and women's Bible study is this Sunday night. We're starting back our Sunday night stuff. It is this Sunday night at 6 p.m. Please bring a finger food. We're asking everybody to bring some kind of finger food dish and come out and be a part of our men and women's Bible study on Sunday night. Also, don't forget that VBS is quickly approaching June 13th through the 16th, God's Story. If you're interested in working, interested in helping out, or if you want more information, please see Sister Jennifer Wyatt, or you can go to our website again, SanteeCircleCOG.org, and on that there is a tab called, uh, as you can see, it will actually say uh, Info or Connect, and you can uh, get more information about that and find out about that. Also, we need you to help share the word. There has been a Facebook event page created for it called God's Story VBS 2021. We have cards here at the church that you can come by and get and send them out this Sunday. We're going to ask everybody to take cards and send them out and give them out to people uh, to invite people to church. So we're excited about that. And uh, we are wanting to give you that information. Uh, Again, if you are joining us, thank you so much for being a part of the Santee Circle Church of God uh, midweek Bible study, virtual online Bible study. We will be in the book of James tonight. Uh, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into service tonight. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, mercy, and grace, and we thank you that you are a very present help in time of trouble. Father, I pray today as we st- I stand behind this sacred lectern and podium, God, that your word would go forth and you would lead, guide, and protect. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there may be a man or woman, boy or girl, under the sound of my voice who needs to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. Lord, they would hear it from you today and you would speak ever so clearly to their heart and into their lives. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name, for we know you are in control. We love you. Bless this time together. Open our eyes, our hearts, and ears to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. We will forever be grateful to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen and Amen. We're going to be in the book of James. We started a series a couple of weeks ago entitled Journey into Living Wisely in a Foolish World. Living wisely in a foolish world. That has been our theme or our, uh, our, our series that we have been on. I want you to go with me to the book of James chapter 1. We're going to begin there in verse 26 and then we're going to drop down into James chapter 3. I don't know if you're able to see it, but it will be on the screens to my right and to my left. But James chapter 1 Verse 26 says this, If any man among you seems to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. If any man among you seem to be religious, bridleth not his tongue, 
but deceiveth his own heart, this man religion is in vain. It's interesting that the writer here, James, says that anyone who seems to be religious, can I tell you there's a lot of people right now in this world, they think they're religious. They think they're okay. They think that because they go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and a couple other times throughout the year, that they're okay. But can I tell you that there's a lot of religious people in the world, but there's not a lot of people that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Churches are full of religious people. They're just not full of righteous people. We got plenty of religious people in the world. We just don't have enough righteous people in the world. We got enough people that have religion. They just don't have a relationship with the Lord. Come on, somebody. I know it's Wednesday night and it's virtual Bible study and we're doing this online, but you still can agree with the preacher and, and, and still shout unto God with a voice of triumph to be with us tonight as you're joining us. And again, thank you for joining. But you know that this is the truth, If whether I've ever preached it to you before or not, this is the truth. There's a lot of religious people, but there's just not a lot of righteous people. There's a lot of people who have religion, they go to church, they just don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there is a distinct difference. Notice what he says in James chapter 3, verse number 8. James chapter 3, verse number 8. He said, but the tongue can no man tame it is unruly full of deadly poison therefore bless we god even the father that therewith curse we men which were made after the similitude of god out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing but my brethren these things ought not be notice again but the tongue can no man tame it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Notice that the first thing we read in James 1.26 was about that if a man seems to be religious but he doesn't know how to control his tongue, then he is not doing anything but deceiving his heart. Notice in James 3, it says the tongue cannot be tamed. It is naturally evil and vile and unruly. The, the running of the mouth, the tongue is hard to tame. He, he said, the writer said in James chapter 3, he said with one, in one minute we're standing in church worshiping the Lord and saying how wonderful and awesome and mighty God is in one minute. But in the other minute we're standing over here blessing and cursing and, 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 and speaking gossiping and, and gossiping and speaking slander about our brothers. He said you can't be blessing God in one minute and then cursing their brother out or speaking bad about him in the next minute because blessings and cursings should not come from the same mouth. So tonight I want to talk to you about how to master your mouth. How to master your mouth. You say, preacher, you're just being hard today. I'm going to tell you from the very onset of this message tonight. One of the most dangerous things that's going on, not only in the world, but in the church, is people run their mouth too much. Come on, somebody. I know you may not be sitting in-house with me tonight listening to the word of the Lord right now in-house, but you know I'm telling the truth. Too many people know how to run their mouth. That's why the Bible said be quick to listen, slow to get angry, uh, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. He said slow to speak. God gave you two ears, one mouth. He wants you to listen twice as much as He wants you to talk. Come on. You know I'm preaching now. You see, the reality of it is James chapter number 3 or James chapter number 1 tells us that a man can think he's religious before God, but he's really not that religious before God because, in fact, he can't control his tongue. But he also said in James chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, that the tongue is naturally vile and wicked, and it is naturally wants to speak hurtful and slanderous things about people. But in the same token, he goes on to say 
that with one minute people will talk about how much they love the Lord, they bless the Lord, they, they lift up the name of the Lord, and they speak the praises of the Lord. But in the same token, soon as they leave church by Monday morning, they're talking about their brother or their sister or their, their, or their companion or their children. They're embarrassing them in public and they're getting angry and vile and wicked in so many different ways. He said, blessings and cursings should not proceed out of the same mouth. Those things ought not to be. You know, so many people go to church on Sunday morning, and they go to church, they're worshiping the Lord, Lord, you're great, you're awesome, you're mighty, hallowed be your name, they're just worshiping the Lord. Those same people, though, on Monday morning are talking about their co-workers, talking about their neighbor, talking about their brothers and sisters of the faith. You see, the Bible tells us that we can't have both ways. I'm sure many of you tonight have heard the following statement before. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Can I tell you tonight, that is the biggest lie ever been uh, perpetrated and promoted by the enemy. That is the biggest lie that permeates our society. That is true. Sticks and stones may break your bones. But I will tell you that words actually, in fact, do hurt you. Well, your words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a great uh, thing to say to try to make yourself feel better. But sometimes I think the sticks and stones hurt less than the words that do hurt us. You see, most oftentimes, broken bones will heal in a few weeks. Busted eyes and ears and cuts and lacerations with proper stitching will heal in a few months. But words that are hurtful can last a lifetime. You don't believe me? Just start asking people that you know around you. Start talking to your neighbor, your friends, your co-workers, your spouse, your children. You ever met somebody who could remember what somebody said to them 20, 30, 40 years ago in the past? You know, I've met people in my ministerial uh, journey and have talked to different people and I've heard different people talk about their journey of their faith and being being apart and I've heard people so many times recount the, recant the stories of what it's like to have been spiritually hurt by a church or by a church member and how that felt to them and sometimes they'll tell me something that happened 25, 30 years ago but it is still as fresh as the day it happened I've heard of countless stories of people who can recant and recount, not recant, but recount times of things where they'll say, well, Pastor, I remember I used to go to such and such church and years gone by and sister so-and-so came by one Sunday or brother so-and-so came by one Sunday and said, and then they re- retell what they said. 25, 30 years later, they still remember the hurtful words that were spoken. The, the, the broken arm, the broken leg, the laceration uh, on the arm, the, the, the stitches out of after a surgery, all of that has healed after many years. But the words never healed. They still hurt. You see, many adults still feel the emotional hurt of thoughtless words that have been spoken to them early in their childhood. In fact, psychology teaches us that we can say certain things and do certain triggers that literally will shape and mold and, and, and literally uh, adjust the, 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 the personality and the, the ability of one's self-worth and self-esteem as a child. We literally can control what they're going to grow up to become. Like I'm not talking about just uh, spankings versus timeouts or whippings versus uh, forms of non-corporal punishment. But I, I am saying to you that there are a lot of things psychologically it's proven that we can say certain things and literally trans- change the transformation of identity, our self-worth, and the self-esteem in young children. We literally can control what they become. When they become teenagers, they feel the pain a young girl going through hormonal changes. And as a kid, she had flawless skin. But now, due to the biological changes and the sexual orientation of her body going through preparing for 
the day of reproduction and for being able to have children. Now the biological changes in her body and the hormonal uh, imbalances going on in her body creates acne and pimples and maybe even a little bit of weight gain. And she goes to school and a boy that she finds super attractive and super cute comes by and calls her pizza face or tells her she looks like she has craters on her face or says that she's ugly or not beautiful or he would never date her or give her the time of day because he would never want somebody to to even know that he ever talked to someone who looked that way. See, in the moment, that just sounds like a cruel individual saying hurtful words, which are hurtful. What he doesn't know is he is now affecting the very life of this young lady. Now she could end up falling into pits of depression if not properly channeled and handled properly and doesn't have a good support system that's constantly looking over her shoulders and encouraging her that she's more than what people say about her. She could fall in the pits of despair and start begin to have suicidal thoughts. Countless psychological psychology psychological uh, articles and 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 various and sundry uh, uh, data have shown people that have left self-esteem and self-worth or have committed suicide or have attempted suicide have left notes. And most of those suicidal notes or attempted suicidal notes have some kind of self-worth, self-identity crisis, some type of hurtful words that were spoken over them. And now that individual feels like they are nothing. They leave messages behind to moms and dads and grandparents who didn't even see it coming. They leave words such as, or letters and words such as, I'm not loved. I'll never measure up. I'm not attractive. I'm not beautiful. You'll never have to deal with my insecurities again. You'll never have to deal. I I struggled with who I was. I struggled not being attractive. I struggled with the fact that my friends and those that I thought that were close to me said hurtful things. See, people don't understand the power of words. There are a lot of men and women that go to church that are sitting in churches that today have been offended by somebody else within the body of Christ because of words that were spoken. But I also know there are a lot of men and women that are not going to church and have lost their faith and have lost their way along life's journey. And some have even turned their back on God because of senseless and thoughtless and stupid people saying words that were out of line and out of order. Just senseless behavior saying things that had no business saying because they hurt someone by the words they spoke over them. The book of Proverbs 12:18 says this, There is one who speaks rashly life. The one, there is one who speaks rashly life, the thrust of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. He says, the writer of Proverbs says, Someone who speaks rashly and harshly, it is like being thrust with a sword. Being attacked. But the tongue of someone who is wise. They will bring healing. So today let's talk about it. First thing I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the uncontrolled mouth. The uncontrolled mouth. See, I want to tell you the mouth that we should not have. But that a lot of people have. I'm going to give you three different types of mouths that are in the world today that shouldn't be, but thus are happening today. There are three ways you can identify an uncontrolled mouth. If you say, well, Pastor, how do I know if I have an uncontrollable mouth or I have an uncontrolled mouth? I'm going to give you three ways. If you have these three categories, and either one, if you have one of them or all three of them, if any of these characteristics describe you, you have an uncontrolled mouth. The first uncontrolled mouth is the lying mouth. The mouth that spreads falsehood. You see in Proverbs, God has so much to say about people who lie. The book of Proverbs is full of it. You see, have you ever noticed that people are fascinated with lists? You have the top ten songs of all time, the top ten 100 praise and worship songs, the top ten uh, athletes of 2021, the top 30, you know, foods in a certain city, the top ten vacation destinations, 
the top 50 hotels to stay in. We are infatuated with lists. The richest people in the world. Ten best dressed people in America. But you know God gave us a list. It's called the Ten Commandments. He gave us a list. The top ten things that were important to God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. Uh, don't take the Lord of your name and the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Uh, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and enjoy long life on the earth. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear uh, false witness against thy neighbor. You, you know the drill. But have you ever noticed what one of those Ten Commandments was? One of those Ten Commandments was, Thou shalt not lie. Bear false witness. Covet. You know, it says, You don't covet your neighbor's stuff. That means be jealous. But he said, Thou shalt not bear false witness. You don't lie. In fact, in Proverbs 6.16, the Bible says there are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination unto Him. Now that's in Proverbs 6.16. Number two on the list. If you go back and read Proverbs 6, it says the six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination. The second item listed is a lying tongue. Proverbs 6.17. It says a lying tongue. That's the second most thing that God hates. And if you notice, number six is on the list too. Number six says, a false witness who utter lies. So out of seven things, six things the Lord hates, seven things are an abomination unto Him. Out of seven things, two of them have to center on a lying tongue, a lying spirit. Because liars and lying is the polar opposite of God. God is the revealer of truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that the Holy Spirit would come and be a revealer of truth. Lying and a lying tongue is diametrically opposite from what the characteristics of God are. God is the God of truth. He said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. So we know that an uncontrolled tongue or an uncontrolled mouth, one characteristic is it's a lying mouth. The other characteristic is that it's a gossiping mouth. Huh, I could get in trouble here. I better tread softly tonight. The book of Proverbs, God has so much to say about gossip too. You see, it often calls, in the book of Proverbs, it often calls a gossiper one who is a tale bearer. Some people will call them a tail bender, meaning they'll change the story. A tail bender, you know what bending is. That's where you, you take something and you, you, you mold it and you, 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 know, you, you bend it. You literally, you, you change the structure. Well, a tail bender is the same thing. It is someone who is changing the truth of the story. And a tail bearer is someone who's telling the story but not the right way. Another translation will actually call gossiping not a gossiper, not only a tail bearer, but also a whisperer. You know what you do when you whisper? You know, you know why you whisper? You know why you tell your kids inside voices? You know why you whisper something? Because you don't want everybody to know. That's what gossiping is. Gossiping is the ability to go tell other people something, whether true or not, but they're trying to tell it in a way so other people don't know. You know, people get on the phone. Well, Pastor, I don't, I'm not going to say anything about this. I'm not gossiping, but did you know? Well, I may not have known, but now that I do know, but is it something that is upbuilding and edifying the body of Christ? Did I need to know? Was it something I need? I'm not saying there aren't times people need to tell something. But when I get on the phone on Sunday afternoon or Monday morning and Talk to other people in church. But do you think that was the real move of the Holy Spirit on Sunday? What did you hear? The sister so-and-so is going to be probably leaving her husband. Did you hear that they're leaving the church and they're going to a church across town? Did you hear the pastor supposedly has put in a job offer at another place? Did you See, that's, that's being a gossiper, a talebearer, a whisperer. You see, gossip is dangerous and destructive. But you know, it's often... 
something we all enjoy. You know, you very rarely ever find somebody, when somebody begins to gossip, very rarely do you see somebody say, oh, I don't want to hear it, or get up from the table and be like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about them. Very rarely they sit there. Why? Because our natural tendency is we like juicy details. A lot of people, you, you walk into a room and say, i got a surprise for you. Man, they are excited. I, I, they want to see it. What is the surprise? I want to see the surprise. What did you get me? You know, naturally, our curiosity goes to another level when we think of there's a possibility that we could be getting some kind of juicy revelation of somebody. But you see, Proverbs 18 and 8 says this, The words of a, of a whisperer, a gossiper, are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. So what he is saying is when we listen to gossip, it is like eating our favorite food and it goes down to the innermost parts of our body and stimulates our desire for more. It's like when we hear something juicy, gossip, we, can't, we want more, we want more information, we love it. But why is it that the case? Why do we like gossip so much? Well, because we have the mistaken idea that when other people look bad, we look better. So for a lot of people, a lot of people think, well, I want to know about it because if sister so-and-so's family is going through hell or high water, if brother so-and-so made a mistake, if they are looking bad, then that obviously is going to make me look good. But in the eyes, I have a news flash for you. I'd like to go ahead and pop your little egotistical bubble that, you're, that you may be living in. Just because they may in fact look bad in the moment or in fact maybe they are going through what they're going through. Don't be mistaken that just because they look bad that makes you look better. In the eyes of God, their sin is just as bad as your sin. Your sin is just as bad as their sin. In the eyes of God, they're just as much in hell or high water as you might be in hell or high water. They might, they're just as much in need of a Savior as you are in need of a Savior. Just because they're going through a bad season or a bad spell right now, don't think God looks down from heaven and goes, well, they're better than they are. No, no. In fact, to God, everybody is equal in the sight of God. You see, we like to be recipients of talebearers. You see, we like to repeat the private affairs of others. We like to justify our gossip by saying, well, it's the truth. So what? When you spread hurtful information that is false, we call that slander. You can go to jail, be sued for slander. When you say things about somebody else and it's not true, you can go to and, and face criminal uh, charges for slander. Just because it's true doesn't mean it always has to be told. You see, gossip is repeating the private affairs of others, whether the information is true or not. One of the most dangerous aspects that I have learned in my lifetime about gossip is that gossip will ruin relationships. If you gossip, you, you ruin relationships. Significantly ruin relationships. Therefore, we need to remember the truth that is found in Proverbs 17 and 9. It says, He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Listen to what he said. He who conceals a transgression seeks love. That means he who doesn't say anything. He who conceals, hides it. He who doesn't make it a public knowledge seeks love. But the person who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. What he is saying is gossip in and of itself will destroy relationships. Friendships will be destroyed because of the result of gossip. The only reason a loving Christian should share sensitive information, sensitive and personal information, is to help the person or protect someone else from being hurt by that person. You see, we should only share information when we're going to help the person or protect someone from being hurt. Outside of that, there should be no reason we share personal information of people. But then there's a third way to tell if you have an uncontrolled mouth that you may not. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't have a lying tongue, and I don't really gossip or talk about people. Well, then there's the cursing mouth. Or some translations will use the word profane mouth. You see, in our culture, profanity is becoming the societal and social norm. It's becoming acceptable and commonplace. You can't even have common, everyday conversations with someone without profanity being uttered. 
People can't even carry on an intelligent conversation, just casual conversation without having to drop words, drop different profane and curse words. You know, they're just standing in Walmart, just standing in line, and they're like, man, how you doing today? And you're like, I'm doing good. And they're like, man, it's hot as you know what outside. Not necessary. You know, or someone might, you know, go and, and say, you know, that they're sitting there waiting for their you know, you're in drive through getting some, some dinner or you're in the restaurant line and uh, getting some dinner and, you know, you're like, and someone says to you, says, well, they're just taking an awful blank time getting it together. and ne- Not necessary. Not necessary. See, our culture has made profanity commonplace. It's made it society, socially acceptable. See, the reality of it is that we as the people of God don't see an issue with that anymore. Whether it's through movies, whether it's through television, whether it's through singing songs, whether it's through just common workplace and workforce conversations, we have become immune to profanity. You see, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 24 says this, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. What he's saying is you should avoid it like the plague. You see, the Hebrew word perverse or, or that we find and we talk about a perverse mouth is the word lutzuth, lutzuth, lutzuth. That word literally means a foul or Devi, uh, deviating, it means foul or deviating from what is considered right. It means veering from what seems right. According to a study conducted by Florida State University, profanity during primetime television was increased by 58% between 1997 and 2004. This indicates profanity was already slowly infiltrating our system and becoming acceptable even among Christians. In that 1997 to 2004 window, primetime television increased profanity by 58%. Wow! And I guarantee you if we did another study today, that number would even be higher today. You see, Christians don't seem to have a problem with it anymore. Ephesians 4 and 29 says this, Let let no unwholesome word proceedeth from your mouth, but only a word that is good for the edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who need to hear it. You see, we often hear the word in Scripture, do not let any unwholesome, some translations will say do not let any corrupt word. That word corrupt is the Hebrew word translated saphros, or the Greek word, I'm sorry, saphros, saphros. It literally means bad, rotten, or foul. It was referred to as rottening fruit or food. Have you ever smelled rotten food? Like a compost of rotten food or bad fruit? It'll take your breath away. It'll make you nauseous to the pit of your stomach. This corrupt word, or the saparos, this corrupt word, it says, when someone speaks a corrupt word, it is like bad, rotten, foul-smelling food. Foul language should be repulsed as repulsive to Christians as the smelling of rotten eggs or of some other rottening decomposition of something else or the bad decomposition and foul odor of a decomposing animal or body or, or, or after it's been attacked by vultures and left the, the smell to be smelled and, and to be uh, 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 pugnant to the, to the nostrils. It says foul language should be as repulsive and repugnant as that. Profanity, dirty jokes, vulgarity should never come out of a Christian's mouth. I would cautiously say to you today, but also as a word of challenge and pastoral, uh, um, I guess, um, encourage, it's not really encouragement, but but but... Uh, pastoral uh, correction, maybe, that if you tell dirty jokes and you use profanity and vulgarity, you really need to examine your heart 
You need to ask God, if you are a born-again believer, to help you to stop living that lifestyle and that behavior and be out with the old and be transformed in the new creation in Christ. But a lot of people profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, but some of the words and jokes and things they say would, I believe, make even the Lord Himself heart, the Lord Himself's heart broken. So that should not be coming from that which is, professes to be of the Christian faith. That is why the Bible said, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting nor which are not convenient, and it keeps going on in Ephesians 4, it says, no foolish talking, Ephesians 5, 4. You see, it takes time to master our mouth. It's time and effort. So you say, well, pastor, how do I do that? If, if, if the qualifications are I could have a profane mouth and a cursing mouth, or I could have a lying tongue, or I could also have a gossiping mouth, how can I master my mouth? Well, I'm glad you asked. So very quickly, I'm going to tell you four ways. To learn how to master your tongue and master your mouth. The very first way that you can master your mouth is always be candid. Always tell the truth. Always be honest. Be frank. Now, you can say the truth, but you also can say it in love. People say, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you can still tell the truth. You just got to say it in love. Be frank. Be honest. Do not be deceitful. If we want to build relationships with people, we got to learn how to be honest with people. What does Proverbs 24 and 26 tell us? It says, He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. This means we always should tell the truth to the people we love. When you lie to someone, it's like telling them that they're not important to you because you don't value them you see being candid and honest I do believe means telling people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear see a lot of people will tell try to go around saying well pastor I I didn't want to hurt their feelings so I just told them what I, I know they wanted to hear sometimes that's more dangerous sometimes we don't need people to hear tell them what they want to hear we need to tell them what they need to hear You know, when we stand behind these sacred lecterns and pastors and preachers and evangelists and teachers preach the word of the Lord, we don't need them to tell the church what they want to hear. We need men and women of the faith to stand behind this sacred podium and tell the church of the living God what they need to hear. We need to hear a word from the Lord. We need to have sons and daughters come back to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to preach holiness again. We need to preach salvation again. We need to preach sanctification again. We need to preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost as the evidence of speaking in tongues again. We need to preach again righteous living and holy living. We need to preach against uh, preach again about modesty and how to dress in the house of the Lord. We need to preach loving your neighbor as yourself. We need to preach be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We need to preach you can't live one way and expect God to bless it. We need to preach you have to come out of darkness into the marvelous light. We need to tell them what thus saith the word of the Lord, not what they want to hear. Too many preachers are telling the churches what they want to hear, drawing the masses rather than making disciples by telling them what they need to hear. You see, therefore, we must always remember, Proverbs 27 and 6 says it like this, Faithful are the words, excuse me, are the wounds, I'm sorry, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That word wounds refers to tasty morsels. Remember we read it earlier? Tasty morsels. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If we are true friends, we will tell our friends the truth found in God's Word. Whether they get angry with us or not, we will want them to know the right way, and we will tell it to them in love. But we must remember this. If I ever have learned something in my lifetime, I feel like what I'm about to tell you is one of the most important things I've ever learned in my life. You should always compliment in public and correct in private. Listen to what I said. Always compliment in public 
and correct in private. No marriage, friendship, or other relationship can survive unless it's built on the candidness and honesty. See, I've heard too many people slander their spouse in public, publicly humiliate them, embarrass them, their children, in church and other places, in public. Correction should be done in private. Compliments should be done in public. Secondly, I think not only should we be candid, but we should always be confidential. Everything you know does not have to be shared. You see, there are very few people who can be trusted with sensitive and pertinent personal information. We all need people within our lives that we can share our hurts, feelings, and frustrations. We need people that we can surround ourselves with and say, yeah, they're going to help me. When someone shares personal and private information with us, we need to remember what truth is found in Proverbs 11:13. It says, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy will conceal a matter. You see, one of the quickest ways for us to hurt someone is to repeat something that they have told us in confidence. That is the most difficult thing that a lot of times in life, most relationships are severed because someone broke the circle of trust. You see, we can lose the confidence of a friend. We can lose the confidence of a spouse. We can lose the confidence of a family member because we broke confidentiality. Always learn to be trustworthy. If someone says, hey, can I talk to you? And they say, but you can't tell nobody? Tell them. Say, look, I, I, I will keep this in confidence unless it's going to cause you harm someone else harm, bodily harm, or is illegal, then I have to by law tell. But if it doesn't fall in that scope, then you have assurance that I'll listen. Be confident and confidential. But also, thirdly, be constructive. Don't always say what you think they want to hear. You see, few things are more needed in our world Few things are more needed in our world than constructive words. We need words that will heal, uplift, and encourage. We got plenty of people talking. Politicians are professionals. They talk. We got plenty of talkers. We just don't have enough Barnabases, sons of encouragement, or daughters of encouragement. Proverb tells, the writer of Proverbs says, Pleasant words are as the honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones, 1624. We should always be on the lookout for opportunities that God gives us to speak a constructive and encouraging word to a family, a friend, an associate. We will all encourage people every day that needs a kind, encouraging word. There are some people dying. They're on the fringe of a breakdown. They're on the fringe of depression. They're on the fringe of, 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 of having a mental break, breakdown, literally. They just need an encouraging word. Proverbs 25:11 says like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. Some translations will say like apples of gold in place settings of silver is a word fitly spoken, meaning spoken in the right time, in the right season, under the right circumstance. That means they're beautiful, they're valuable. Those words are are life-giving. You see a person who knows when to say the right words at the right time is like an artist who can make the most beautiful And valuable picture come to life. You see also though I believe you also must learn. Not only to be candid and confidential and constructive. But you must also learn to be constrained. Sometimes you have to do what's the hardest thing to do. Bridle the tongue. Remember what James said? A man thinks he's religious but he cannot bridle his tongue. He's not as religious as he thinks. It's hard to bridle the tongue, but sometimes we have to learn the best thing we can do is stay silent. Sometimes the wisest thing we can do is say nothing. Oh, I know we like to say something, but sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. You see, we have all suffered from that proverbial foot-in-the-mouth disease. One of the most frequent complaints that often people hear in marriage counseling and other things is, That he or she doesn't listen to me. Remember what I told you? 
Be quick to listen, slow to angry and slow to speak. Quick to listen. You listen twice as much as you talk. You see, when we get to know people, we sometimes think we know they're gonna, what they're going to say before they say it. And sometimes we do. But sometimes we'll just start listening to the first part of the comment and question and then start, stop, and then just start responding even though we didn't hear it in its entirety. Proverbs 18.13 cautions us what happens when we do that though. It says, he who gives an answer before he hears it is a, it is folly and shamed him. He says, someone who speaks before they even get all the information, someone who just literally only hears parts of it and makes a decision, they're acting like a fool. They're foolish. You see, another time in life that it is good to constrain our words is when someone starts talking foolishly. Sometimes when people are talking stupid stuff, sometimes it's best for us to just keep our mouth shut. Don't argue with a fool. Don't, don't argue with people who, who you know good and well you, you ain't going to win. Getting in a debate with a fool is a big mistake. According to Proverbs 26 and 4, it says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be, equa- equa- you will be also like him or equated. One translation says, Or you will be equated like him in all manners. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, for you could be equated like to, equated to him in like manner. What he's saying is, you make yourself look dumb. People saying stupid stuff, sometimes it's just best to just keep our mouth shut. See, if we get in an argument with a fool, and someone overhears the discussion, they won't be able to tell which one's dumber. You or the person you're arguing with. So in order to, we, we know, as I close tonight, we know that an uncontrolled mouth can be a gossiping mouth, a lying mouth, or one that's cursive and, per, and uses profane words and is, and is, and is filthy. And the, we've read in James how the tongue is naturally evil and vile. But if you want to master your mouth, it's, very, it's hard to do, but it's very simple if you think about it. You can master your mouth by learning to be candid. Be honest. Don't lie. You can learn to master your mouth by being confidential. Be a good listener, learning when to speak, but also learning when to not speak or tell. You also can master your mouth by giving constructive words, constructive criticism, encouraging words. Learn to use your words constructively for good, not for evil. But then ultimately you also can master your mouth by learning to constrain your words. Sometimes it is better to be silent. I love the proverbial, uh, or I say proverbial, uh, uh, the, um, uh, uh, I guess you could say uh, proverb or, or, uh, or script, uh, wisdom that's been given. You probably heard this state, stated before as we get ready to pray tonight. You've probably heard someone say this before. It is better to be thought of as a fool. Then to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Anybody ever heard that before? It is better to be thought of as a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. What they're saying is it would be better for people to think you don't know what you're talking about and think that you're just messed up than for you to open your mouth and prove their suspicions to be accurate. Because if they think you're a fool... They really don't know for sure if you are or not, and you might can get by even if you are. But if you open your mouth, you can remove all doubt. So today I say to you, learn to guard your mouth. Master your mouth. Use your words constructively for the upbuilding of God's kingdom, not for the destruction and tearing down of the body of Christ. Advance the kingdom. Don't hurt the kingdom. As we get ready to pray tonight, I want to ask you to pray for a couple requests. Please continue to pray for Sister Bonnie Gunn, who is still battling cancer. Continue to pray for Sister Jamie Benin-Haley, who is recovering from her surgery. She is doing well, but still on that road to recovery. Pray for all our shut-ins, Sister Laura Mae Skipper, Sister Faye Hupp in the nursing home, and those that are uh, homebound. Uh, Pray for Sister Barnes, who uh, was sick Sunday. She is doing some better, but pray for her today as well. Uh, pray for Brother Jamie uh, Coker, uh, who's a part of our church. 
Uh, pray for him. He is still feeling a little under the weather. Pray for the traveling mercies of our constituents coming home from their holidays and have been traveling uh, to and fro destinations. Pray for our church services this weekend uh, that God would, would meet the needs of our church. Let me say to you today, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness to keep our church going in a positive direction. Uh, you have been faithful to our church throughout this year, and we thank you excuse me, immensely for that as well. All right, let us pray together. Don't forget, if you would like to give to our church to support the ministry of our church, you can go to SanteeCircleCOG.org and give online, uh, and you can give that way to support the ministry and the funding of our church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in your love, mercy, and grace to pray for the needs of your people that have been brought to our attention. Lord, I pray for Sister Jamie Ben and Haley and Sister Bonnie Gunn and Sister Laura Mae Skipper and Sister Faye Huff and Brother Jamie Coker and those that are traveling and those that are sick in body. Lord, I pray for all those that need a healing touch. Lord, I pray for the marriages of our church. I pray for the, the, the children of our church and teenagers of our church. I pray for Vacation Bible School coming up that we would, that we would uh, minister to the needs of children and speak the word of the Lord to children. Lord, I pray that you would help uh, those folks to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. I pray you would let us have a wonderful time in our services this weekend. Touch our family, our friends, our co-workers. Let us be blessed, the Lord, and, and touched and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit this week. Let us just feel your presence reign supreme in our services. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Let the words of our mouth, meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our God and blessed Redeemer. And may you bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen and Amen. Well, I love you. I'm praying for you. I hope that you are blessed in the Lord today. And we hope to see you guys soon. If you can join us in-house, that would be great. If you can't, you can join us online, Santee Circle COG, Facebook, or, or YouTube. Or you can go online uh, and watch our services uh, on Monday or Tuesday after that service is aired on our SanteeCircleCOG.org uh, uh, website. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful night in the Lord.